Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to This Thing Called Life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I am so excited to have you with us today. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy and getting their vaccines, or at the very least, getting all of the facts about it and are considering getting it. I hope everyone is still being vigilant um, and wearing their masks and social distancing as we're still, you know, working through this, um, but we're, we're almost there. We just have to have to stay the course. We have a wonderful guest with us today. She spent her career reporting television news here in greater Cincinnati. And she's someone that I've always looked up to in the news business because of her compassion that she's always demonstrated in in her reporting and behind the anchor desk. And she also has a connection to donation. And we're going to hear more about that here shortly. I want to remind everyone that April is National Donate Life Month. It's a perfect time to learn more about organ, eye, and tissue donation and find out how you can help others through this miraculous gift. You can visit lifepassiton.org or donatelifeamerica.org for more information and to get involved. Our nation is in the midst of an organ shortage, and we need more people to register to be donors. There's so much misinformation out there for a host of reasons, mainly a distrust of our medical system. But that really shouldn't be a reason not to get the facts and to and to educate yourself. So please do your part and get the information that is based on facts and not on fear and register today at lifepassiton.org. So now please welcome Mrs. Lisa Cooney to the show. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Andy. I am wonderful. It is great to hear your voice and I can't say enough how proud I am of you and everyone at Life Center continuing the mission and uh, getting the word out and also uh, putting to rest all of those uh, things you were talking about, the the uh, the misinformation uh, that people still have yes. about organ donation. So it's great to be here uh, to raise awareness and just chat with you for a while. I know. I, this is like a catch up. I was like, oh, I, I just want to talk to her. I, <laughs> I think like the... I saw you on a commercial maybe a month ago, and I that was the first time I had seen you since you retired from TV news. And I was like, oh, there she, and I just, I hadn't heard anything. So it was really just, it was great to see you and then to be able to put this together so that we could just really catch up. So tell us how long you were in TV news. Let's start there. I was in television news for 30 years. I retired almost two years ago. And so I spent uh, you know, my entire television career at WLWT Channel 5, which is unusual for people like me because, you know, we, we travel the country and things don't work out in one place or you're, you know, you're trying to work your way up. But uh, I was very fortunate to start in my own hometown. And before that, 
I was a freelancer. I wrote for the Cincinnati Business Courier, and I was on WNKU Radio, public radio. And then um, in 1988, December of 1988, I took the plunge and applied for a writer's position at Channel 5 and did that for about a year and started thinking, hey, maybe I could do this reporting thing and started doing practice packages. One thing led to another and so on and so forth. And 30 years later, I retired uh, from the morning show. And I spent most of my career on the morning show, getting up at about 2.15 in the morning, I might say. I have always watched WLWT. So I literally have just watched you throughout your career. And (laughs) I always wondered, you guys come in super early because the newscast, I think, started at 4.30 maybe. I always wondered, so when they take off, how does that work? Are they popping up at the time that they're used to pop it up? Or are you able to sleep in? And I just, I would have been, I would have been a mess. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the biggest, the most asked question, I think, of morning people. And I think you just kind of, uh, you get used to the routine. I, I can still pop up and be awake, but when you don't have to anymore, right, <laughs> it slows down a little, but uh, I am, I'm a morning person. I still kind of go to bed early, but uh, the older I get, the the worse my sleep is. So nobody get old out there because uh, you'll sleep better as a young person. <laughs> <laughs> so during the course of your 30 year career, what, what was your favorite story that you covered? Gosh, that's really a tough one because I was so fortunate, Andy, to to meet so many people, to do so many incredible stories, really good news stories. And of course, along the way, there were um, some not so good stories that stick in my mind for that reason. But for good news stories, gosh, I remember so many of them. And, you know, organ donation was a huge thing. My my beat was uh, the medical beat, which I loved going into the local hospitals and doing stories on not only patients who are battling and winning their their uh, disease, but also the new technology and new treatments. I, I really love that. And those stories probably stick out the most for me. Yeah. It's the medical beat, I think. You know, I loved being in the hospitals. It sounds weird, I know, but <laughs> I did. I did. And, and it was interesting. And I learned so much along the way. But I just, I get for, to pick out one story, I just... I cannot do it. I'll, for for excitement, I do recall I was a cub reporter, and um, this was really early in my career. It was the weekend, and there's usually never nothing going on on the weekends. Right. It was August, and there was a house fire, and it was a controlled fire. The, the Cincinnati Fire Department was just uh, taking their time and using it as a training situation, and all of a sudden things got out of hand. And my photographer and I, who's now the chief photog at Channel 5, Ron Schmidt, we were there covering the story. And the next thing you know, that it became an emergency. Firefighters were trapped upstairs. A ladder broke. We got it all on video. And that, that our story actually led to the Cincinnati Police Department. They used it as training for many years and also as the impetus to change out their old um, wooden ladders, believe it or not. They changed up to a safer, more long-lasting material, uh, fiberglass, uh, things like that. But yes, that was we won an Emmy Award for it, and uh, we we're very proud of that story. That's a pretty memorable one, and it happened so early in my career. I know I had more along the way, Andy. I know you did, <laughs> but I mean that—that's the significance of that. I think is so cool because it was it. Your story had this ripple effect that really helped make 
their job safer. And that's, that's so important. So yes, it was, it was quite a, quite a feather in our cap, I think, especially to make things safer, not only here at home, but around the country for our servicemen and women in, in, uh, in the fire uh, department. So yeah, it was, it was great to see it go that far. And I think it's still having an impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. So what are you up to now? What's happening? Well, uh, let's see. I, I'm, I'm retired, as I mentioned, for almost two years. And when this whole thing came about, you know, I, I said to my husband, we celebrated 30 years. Oh, congratulations. Coming up on, thank you. Coming up on 31. But I said, I, I, I think I've, I've run my course on this. Uh, you know, I was tired and, and just ready to, to move on. So um, retired in the spring, almost two years ago. And then we sold our house in, put it up for sale. And three days later, it sold, which we're very fortunate. And we <laughs> bought a home still in Northern Kentucky to be closer to my mother. And while we were doing some work on that house, as I said, our house sold. Um, very lucky. And so we all moved in with my mother <laughs> while we were working on our house. So it was my husband and I and our two kids. Oh. So yes, my dad passed away 10 years ago. So it was it was fun to be back with mom, you know, yeah. we were there for four months, Andy. So I don't know how to walk. And finally, our house was finished. We uh, just renovated it. Nothing, you know, you know, didn't build a home or anything, but uh, that was a lot of fun. And now we're really close by her. So I've been doing things around the house and working on a few things. I've been uh, freelancing for the Christ Hospital Yeah, about six months ago or so. They got a hold of me and I thought, Who's, why are they trying to get a hold of me? <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I've been doing um, some commercials for them. They were looking for a retired news yeah. person to interview doctors and try to promote new doctors, try to get more patients to come in and see, you know, these new wonderful physicians. So I've been doing that and also working a little bit on um, a consulting business, teaching people how to be on camera, how to handle crisis uh, if if I were to have a, a business as a client and how to deal with the media. And so, yes, I'm trying to get that off the ground. It's going to be called Lisa Cooney Consulting or Cooney Consulting. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to working with um, companies and perhaps even physicians around town who are asked to do interviews, you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're so uh, wise and experienced and skilled in so many ways. And I, they're not really comfortable with being on camera. And I get that. But I, I want to work behind the scenes and, and teach people like this that you can do this, that mm-hmm. what you do for a living is so much more complicated and difficult. This should not be right. to build them up right. and them confidence in, you know, how they're perceived while they are on camera. And so and I, I, I enjoy that so much. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that business plan and uh, hope to share that with everyone soon. But if anybody wants to contact me with questions or anything, Andy, they can. Lisa Cooney Consulting at Gmail. So Lisa Cooney, C-O-O-N-E-Y Consulting at Gmail.com. If this, you know, interests anyone out there at this early time, as I'm trying to get this off the ground, you know, I'd be happy to chat with anyone. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. And other than that, I love being home. Uh, You know, for 30 years, there were so many things that I halfway did, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's, it's been really wonderful, Andy, to devote my, myself to really the family, my, my home, 
my son is getting married in June. So there's so much going on oh, right congratulations. now. Thank you and the family. And so it's really been awesome to devote myself fully to my family. I mean, you know, and for some that might sound crazy, but for so many years, I try to you know, do that balance, which I did, you know, everyone's still alive and fine. <laughs> I didn't hurt anyone along the way, but, you know, I, I did have that, that, that guilt that, that I, that I so frequently tried to advise people not to have yeah. because well, how you're doing it is fine. Yep. That's how yep. you're doing it. And that's how it's supposed to be. But um, it's been really refreshing and, and awesome for me to just devote myself to others. And for now, it's my family. And so yeah, that's where I am right now. And I, I'm enjoying where I am. But it doesn't mean I'm not busy for crying out loud. I know. Uh, both my kids are still living at home. And so, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's still an experience. And I'm busy every day. Oh, I bet. I bet. I remember when I was taking my son on some college visits and we we went to Thomas More and we were he was being recruited for football and and they spoke so highly of your son. So Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I I mean this was a a year or so ago but mm-hmm. I just I was like, "Oh, that I cuz I didn't realize that but they stayed local first. Well, I guess yeah. your son did. So, yes, and, and my daughter did as well. Oh, Both did she? Kids, uh, went to Thomas More. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So uh, Jake played football. Uh, they had a wonderful, it was just, it was, and I thank him all the time for bringing us along on that ride because mm-hmm. it was wonderful. He He did very well. He played left tackle and protecting the blind side, as they <laughs> say right. it. Started uh, every single game. He he was healthy all throughout his uh, career, and at the same time, was a pre med student. So right. he learned how to organize and stay organized because football, as you know, if your son played, it's it's twenty four seven three sixty five. And so it was wonderful to find that fit um, at Thomas More. I cannot say enough about that. It's school. wonderful school. And then yes, two years later, my daughter followed him there. And so it's, it's, it's been wonderful. And it's, it was, it's like the best kept secret in our own backyard, Thomas really is. you know, and I'm a born and raised Northern Kentucky and I knew it was there. I knew how wonderful it was, but for the kids to go there, I just, it was, it was really, it was wonderful. And I cannot say enough about Thomas Moore and, and the folks there. And, and I know my two loved it. They feel 100% they were meant to be there. We do too. Oh, yeah. And they, and it, you know, it's a rigorous school uh, and, and they managed to get through it and they're doing great things and it's really exciting. Oh, you must be very, you and your husband must be very proud. I mean, just, that's just wonderful. That's mm-hmm. a lot of just exciting milestones coming up here. Oh, and- 100%. Yes. He gets married in June, <sighs> but in May, on May 1st, he becomes Dr. Henderson. He, oh, wow. uh, yes, he he's very excited about that. And so are we. And he just uh, found out that he will be doing his internal medicine residency at the Christ Hospital. <gasps> oh, so we're, wow, yes, Lisa, we're, that is awesome. We're so excited. The residency process is it's long and it's lots of interviews and you could end up anywhere. And he was very, very lucky to end up here. He's, uh, as I say, internal medicine at Christ Hospital, and um, he's interested in possibly a fellowship in cardiology along the way. So they we're excited great, about that. Great cardiology then, program. Yes. There. Yeah. And then in July, my daughter, Avery, she's leaving for medical school. So she's following her doctors. brother, Thomas Moore, and, <laughs> and she's going to follow him into medical school. So 
uh, she's got a long journey ahead, but she knows, you know, what it's like and the hard work that's involved. And, and I will say, you know, people comment all the time, boy, your kids must be really smart. Well, I think they are, but I think the thing about my two is that they work very hard. And I think they, they know the value of having, um, you know, a stake in the game and this is their only chance. And so, yeah, they, they, uh, they work very, very hard. And I think that that's how they got to where they are. It's nothing comes natural. Nothing comes easy for them. Both admit it. It's hard work and dedication that there are times in your life where you need to dedicate and really buckle down and get through it because it's not going to be this way forever, but you're, you know, you're building for the future. And it's, you know, somehow we impressed upon them to kick its butt now. Hats off to you because it's, you know, it's a different generation now. And so to be able, as you said, to impress upon them that importance of just kicking butt now, getting it done and really setting yourself up for success. That's, I think you should have a a parenting consulting company too. (laughs) That's what my girlfriend says. She calls me all the time. I I have to ask you, what did you do? And, you know, in this situation, and I do love giving advice, but I temper everything with, it's not the be all end all. Right. Your kid's going to be fine. Right. Here's that what is I would do. <laughs> and you do what's fine for you. But uh, I, I do, I do love giving advice. Sometimes too much. My husband would say, <laughs> <laughs> or my kids would say, right. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so having your, your kids at your, at home and which is great. What is, what is, what's it been like during COVID? just having everybody home and just navigating that. And how's that been for you and and your family? Well, you know, I I will say, Andy, that when we we moved in with my mother, um, as I mentioned, when we were, you know, we sold our house and stuff and working on the one we were moving into, we did that in December. And then in January, we started hearing about this thing and um, hearing more and more. And, you know, with the kids, Jake was rotating at the time. He was doing rotations at St. Elizabeth and Avery is and still is currently in research at Children's Hospital. So, of course, they were both going into work and my husband was going to his job. And, you know, you're hearing more about it and more about it. And as we all know, by March, things started shutting down. And yeah. So then the kids were home. They canceled clinical rotations for Jake. So he was home and Avery came home and started working from home. So we were literally, not only did we move in with my poor mother, all four of us for four months, but we were all literally home for four months. And and it's it was a wonderful experience. I'm not saying there weren't tough times. We all got on each other's nerves. But I think that we really learned how to be flexible, which I think is so important. I've tried to teach the kids and and really adults that being flexible is so important because, you know, you have to roll with the punches in life. And so we learned how to be flexible. We learned how to respect each other's comfort zones. And really, you know, that goes out through friends and family, because, as you know, everyone has their their own comfort zone where COVID is concerned. And I learned how to respect that because, you know, people feel certain ways and, and either it's, you know, ah, you know, this COVID thing, you know, let's just get together and, but not everybody feels that way. So it was a lot of time to respect other people's feelings. And, but I, you know, I, as a family, I mean, I, I think we worked well together. We, we cooked like crazy. My mom didn't know what was going on. It was like restaurant squad every night. And then it's funny, you know, it's, it, COVID kept going on. And then a couple months later, we moved into our home. 
and you know, I had I had some new stuff in my kitchen and we had to keep cooking, Andy, because you know, nothing was open. So, you know, that's and that's all we've been doing. And and it's been fun. It, you know, do we miss the interaction with others? That's slowly coming back. But I think as we launched into what now three months into 2021, I think we all my family has a better understanding of each other. I think a, which a, is a good uh, thing. It is a good thing. And like I said, it ain't perfect. Right. We, we were in each other's throats sometimes, but you know, you hash it out and you move on. Yeah. I just I think it, it yeah, it forced us forced everybody to slow down and but I think to like family units, like I got to spend so much time with my son that I hadn't spent in years. And it, it was yeah. it was nice. Mm-hmm. You know, just to reconnect in that way and have dinners together at home and cooking more and mm-hmm. you know I did more in my yard than I'd ever done <laughs> during that time it, it, but, everyone but says, it was yeah. all it was all good stuff you it know was good stuff. So, so let's let's talk a, a little bit about several years ago you made the decision to help someone else and I would love for you to share that story so it's incredible Andy when I think back 20 years we celebrated 20 years in January Wow. I wish we, you know, my, my, my hope and and dream was to have a, have a big party with my family and with the Thielens donating to Andy Thielen, you know, all those years ago. And, you know, of course, COVID that couldn't happen. But I, but I said, you know, I wanted to have a big party and I wanted to celebrate with a kidney shaped cake. And so my kids made a kidney shaped cake. And uh, that for the little arteries and veins coming out of it, it was uh, different colored Twizzlers. It was, I have a picture of it. It's, that is so cool. <laughs> it's scary looking, but ridiculous. But yeah. Yeah. So tw- yes, we celebrated. It was wonderful. So 20 years ago, yes, I did. I made the decision to, to donate life. And it was, everyone calls that experience a gift being for, for the recipient. But I have to say, Andy, that being the donor it was truly a gift and it was, and it, and it has been the gift that keeps on giving because there's really not a day that goes by that I still don't think about that and talk to people about it. And, you know, and it, just talking about it raises awareness, just, yeah. just talking about the experience, really, no matter who you're talking to. And I still get inquiries from people who, you know, have a, have a friend or a family member who's, you know, not in the best health and that this may be coming down the pike for them. And, you know, they want advice. What was the the mind thought with it? But um, mm-hmm. so yes, I mean, I remember like it was yesterday when I met Andy, and you know, realized that he was not in the best health, and finding out through his sister in law, who I worked with, Sally Macy Thielen, yes, television station, and she was kind of the the go to, the go through, the conduit, if you will, to make all of this happen. And she didn't make my decision happen. That was more of, um, I don't know. I, I had a woman of Jewish faith tell me about six months after the donation, I, I was asked to, sp- to do speaking engagements and talk about the journey. And when the, when when this one, I, I spoke to the Cincinnati uh, Jewish Women's Association. When, when the speech was over, she came up to me and she said, you had an epiphany. You need to tell people that's what it was. You know, and I started thinking about it and, and she was right because it just, it hit me one day that if you go take this blood test, you're going to get a telephone call that you are going to be the one. And I was scared to death and I waited an entire year 
because I was, I was so, I was, I was scared. I knew that I would be the one and talk, you know, I was talking to Tony, you know, and Andy was getting sicker and sicker. And, and I remember uh, one afternoon I, I said to Sally, you know, how's, how's Andy doing? You know, and she had no idea that I was even contemplating this, you know, it's something you keep to yourself. But um, she said, well, you know, he's, he's on dialysis now and people are trying to be tested and, you know, they have this huge family, but because Andy had a donation, a, a kidney from a toddler years ago, antibodies keep changing and stuff like that. So it kept canceling out family members. And so I just decided one day on my lunch hour, I went down to University Hospital and I went to the desk. Hello, I'm here. I want to be tested for Andy Phelan. And I remember the gal behind the counter, she said, oh, um, you're here for Andy. It's it's so sad. We can't find anyone for Andy. And she said, what is your blood type? And I said, I have no idea. You're here to be tested to donate a kidney and you don't know your blood type. I said, well, no, I don't. So I went back and had the test. And, and I remember the RN who was taking the blood said, oh, you know, I, it's nice of you to do this, but, you know, it's just we keep not getting matches for Andy. And I was like, okay, well, I got news for you. I'll be back. And uh, two days later, I got a telephone call at my desk. And it was, it was Andy's physician. And I knew what he was going to say. And he says, Lisa, I have a story for you. We had this beautiful Dr. Roy first. Um, I'm sure you recognize the name from University Hospital. He's since retired and moved on. But uh, this beautiful South African man with this unbelievable accent that I could listen to all day. And he says, hello, Lisa, this is Dr. First. And I said, oh, yes, I knew you were going to call me. He says, I have a story for you. And I'm like, yeah. So yeah, that's, um, I waved Sally over and she's like, what's going on? And I said, hey, I took a test to, uh, to try to donate to Andy. And this is Dr. First on the phone. And he's telling me that I am indeed a match. And of course, we both fell apart. <laughs> And uh, yes, and that led to, as you know, many more tests and uh, stops along the way. And it just kept going and everything was fine and it happened. And so, yeah, January of uh, 2001, it happened and um, it's been great. I've been in perfect health. It was, it went textbook and he's in great health. He looks great. He went 20 years later, later, he's still, 20 years later, still oh. going and we have still, you know, are connected and, and text one another. And it's not like we're joined at the hip or the kidney, but we do stay in touch. We both have our lives. And, and it uh, was the greatest gift that uh, I could have ever gotten in just being a donor. I just, that, that story, it still gives me chills to hear it to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it does me too. And I still enjoy telling it. I was with a group of friends down here in my own community this past weekend. And someone asked me about, it. I mean, people remember. And, and so, and again, Andy, as you know, just talking about it is raising awareness. It absolutely is. And, mm-hmm. and I think too, just because yeah. the fact that you were in TV news and, and you were, you know, very open about what you were doing and you shared that journey, I feel like that played a big part in just education and helping people understand that you can do this and it's going to be okay. And, and you have an opportunity to help someone in this. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such, it's such a gift. And, and hats off to Andy, to my, my television station and my general manager at the time, Raven Matthews, 
I mean, he knew immediately that the awareness factor, and it's a great story to tell. I mean, you know, right. This girl donates kidney to a friend, but he did, he realized the importance and, and the awareness. They, they did a big story on it. And, and, the, and again, the story lives on. And I, I, I have had countless people over the years reach out to me, even after retirement, who still want to know, can I do this? And so, I mean, it lives on and it will. And, and I know that I will do my part to talk to anyone that want, you know, wants, a, wants advice. And it's, it's, it's never a thing that you have to convince someone to do this because you don't want that. You just right. give them information. That's and it. that's all that they want. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful and easy thing. Right. So what would you say to someone? And then as you said, you've spoken to people who want more information, but what would you say to someone who's considering being a living kidney donor? I would say that now there are individuals who are truly altruistic. You know, they, they just say, I have two of them. I don't know anybody, but I'm, I'm, I'm making one of mine available. <laughs> but in most cases, as you know, the, the potential donor has a has a, a close person in their life, a family member, a friend, they see them going through the struggle. And it's it's something that comes into their head. So when when they think, you know what, maybe I could do this. So what I say to people is they're asking the question because obviously it's in their it's in their heart and in their head. Right. And so you know I, I I advise people that this is my story. This is how it happened for me, physically, spiritually, and mentally. I give them information, and then they take that away. So I would say to someone who is even considering this is to do your research, talk to other people, talk to me, call Life Center, email them. At, you know, is there? And they would put you in. You you can find ways to um, resource and, and get this information. But I do think that if they have it in their heart and in their mind. They will go out and look for that information. And I tell them that God put two kidneys in your body for a reason. And it's just a crazy thing. You give one and the other one does its job and makes adjustments. And I haven't had one hint physical side effects. I guess you would say nothing at all. People want to say, are you on medicine? No, no. My life is completely and totally the same. Has been for 20 years. And now things are so advanced. I, I did not. And I know sometimes the open incision has to happen during a donation. But for the most part, as you know, Andy, the, the techniques and the advancements, most of them are done laparoscopically, which makes it incredibly a more easy and quicker recovery for the donor. But there are all these things that the potential donor should investigate and and read up about and research because you know you're you're making a sacrifice but if you have it in your heart and mind that this might be something I can do go after it and they will nine times out of ten they will you know they want the information it is it's something that you can do but it's an individual decision and it's not up to people like me to convince others absolutely but it is absolutely. absolutely up to people like me to provide that information as as someone who's been through it, because these are people too, and they want to, you know, give the gift of life to others, and they want to know if they're going to be okay. So sharing my experience, uh, I think, gives gives them more confidence, if you will, confidence to be able to make a better 
educated decision for them. I think one of the things that I've I've started to notice over the last couple of years is people want factual information. And we really are in this place, particularly with social media, where you can go on the internet and find information, but it, it may not necessarily be factual information. And, oh, you mean not pe- everything on the internet is true? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I'd, shocker. <laughs> but it's amazing because people will read things and well, it, they take it as gospel. And I, that's, you know, I've had some conversations with folks like you can't really believe everything that you read. You really need to seek out reputable resources for your information. And and just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. But I will say, I, I feel like that's something that we come up against because people see it and they believe it, you know? It's true. Know. It's true. And, and the internet is a wonderful thing and it can put you in contact with people who have been through it. And I think that most living donors would go out of their way to answer questions because they know that there is a lot that goes into it. And I and I feel sure that my fellow donors or those who are in the one kidney club with me the one kidney have, club. Be happy, <laughs> yeah, would be happy to to uh, share their experience. Yes. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about? I really appreciate this this time, Andy, and I really appreciate, you know, Life Center. And I and I think it's our all of our um, jobs to, you know, to educate others, to talk about our experiences to really be in tune to knowing what the human body can do for others. And I'm not saying everybody run out and and be a living donor, but at least entertain that idea. As I mentioned, if it comes into your heart or your mind, it means that you, um, there is someone in your life who, who may be in need. And then again, after death, sign up because we don't know what's going to happen in our lives. God forbid, but part of you can go on. And I, I just think it's the greatest, um, Thing if I if I hear about someone that I know or even just read a, an obituary from someone I don't know, they're always so sure to put in there if their loved one was a donor because they know the importance of it too. After death, you know the importance of it. Find out the information, find out the facts because you will be dead and gone. And and I and I don't want to talk about all the crazy misnomers out there because there are some crazy ones. But yes. do, do really think, think hard about it. That uh, Take the plunge, be a donor, contact um, the Life Center and uh, do that when you get your driver's license or whatever the case may be because we don't know what's going to happen in our lives and we don't know who we can help in life mm-hmm. and in death. And it can just go on and on. The gift will keep giving no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, I so appreciate you being here with us and just how you were able to bless Andy Thielen and his family and Sally. Sally was, seems like in a lot of ways, she was like his kidney champion. 100%. And it just to know that he is thriving and doing so well 20 years later, just, I mean, that... I'm just really, really happy to hear that. Thanks, Andy. It's it's been it's been a journey, and as I say, his life is is complete. He he's married to a wonderful woman, Patty, who I introduced him to. It's the craziest thing ever. Did you um, really? Yes, and they have these two beautiful children, Kyle and Ava, 
And it's just, um, it's wonderful to see. And so, yeah, that, that he's going on. And again, and, and everybody, we're all champions of organ donation and my family and their family. And it's just in the, if there's, if there isn't a classic example of giving a gift and then seeing someone's life completely change, meeting someone, falling in love, getting married, having children, which never would have been in their future, no. their future story unless this happened. So it's, it's really been great talking about it again. It's great uh, to see you, Andy. And again, I congratulations to you and everyone, the dozens of volunteers at Life Center, those who have given and those who have received and know the importance of passing it on. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm forever grateful for Life Center for educating me and allowing me to do stories and educating others and keep up the great work Again, so proud of you. And any time that I can contribute to the cause, girl, you better call me. Oh, you better believe I will. It's funny that we're actually celebrating 40 years. Our 40th anniversary is this year for Life Center. Congratulations. Serving the community. And so it's it's been amazing. So I, I'm glad that we were able to connect and, and just share you and Andy's story. And because, you know, it was 20 years ago. So that's a, to me, that's a piece of this history and the story of... Mm-hmm how donation and transplantation has impacted our community in a good way. So mm-hmm. so I just want to close by saying that there are 107,713 men, women, and children in need of life-saving organ transplants in our country. So what can you do to help? You can register, as we talked about earlier, to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor Or you can learn about being a living kidney donor because the vast majority of those people waiting need a life-saving kidney transplant. And as we just heard from Lisa and her sharing her story, you can do it if it's in your heart, if it's in your spirit, take that step and just get the information. So Lisa, again, thank you so much. And I want to thank everyone for listening today. Please be kind to yourself and to others. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. Go to lifepassiton.org for more information. Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.